Okay, here we go. Hello, everybody. This is Oz Fox from Striper. You're listening to Wild Man and Steve. You are about to listen to the intersection of faith, talk, and music. The Wild Man and Steve show starts right now. Killian, welcome to the program, and it's great to have you here. How are you doing this evening? Good. How are you doing, well, man? What's happening? Hey, I'm doing great. Hanging in there. Just honored to have you on, man, and been wanting to talk to you for a long time. I've been listening to your music now for a couple years. Thank you. Some great stuff, and we'll get into a lot of that here tonight. So, But to begin with, um, what we always like to do is talk about the history. So what first got you started in music? Oh man, how much time are we doing this on this podcast? <laughs> we can go a couple of days. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, thanks for having me here. Yeah, you and I have chatted a little here and there on uh, Twitter, so it's been very cool, and uh, we've got some mutual fit friends as well. So I appreciate you having me on. Uh, I was born to a musical family. My mom was a country artist in the seventies and uh, eighties, and um, it's actually how I know uh, another one of your guests and our friends, a mutual friend, Ray. Uh, we've, uh, and you should know each other when I was a, a wee little one, but anyway, uh, I was just born into a musical family. I, I think at six months old, they started teaching me how to play drums. I would sit on the drummer's lap and he would hold my hands and you know, all that kind of stuff and pretty much how it's got started. And I've, I played with her band growing up. I think my first live performance was like at three, I think I played wipeout, uh, on stage and, uh, and they, you know, the crowd, you know, was clapping and said, stand up and take a bow. And they said, he is, you just can't see him because he's too short. (laughs) (laughs) So that's kind of how I got started. Okay. So I I noticed now you play a a plethora of instruments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Is there one you that you would say is your main one? I I joke that I'm a drummer that plays guitar and also sings. Okay. Uh, That's kind of my, tagline and bands for a number of years i've been the guitar player and lead singer uh usually just out of he can do it you know kind of thing let him do it you know one of those deals uh you join up with some guys or and folks to put a band together and you know they just kind of everybody kind of tries to start doing different things and so i'd say i'm probably really a drummer first and still that was the first thing i i learned um that's probably it's a tough one. That's a tough one, Wild Man. I feel I feel very torn between the drums and the guitar. I love them both pretty equally. I think I'm a better drummer than I am a guitar player, though. Really? Okay. Yeah. If I'm being well, honest. Yeah, I can say you do you do great at both. So thank you. Thank uh, you. It's really really amazing. Um, so talk to me a little bit about that about the multi instrumentalist thing because I think you and I both come from a from a, this a similar era. Yeah. where where there was more things were more specialized for um, sure. guitarists yeah. were guitarists drummers were drummers bass players are bass players keyboard keyboard you know all of that yeah. 
Yeah. And that's why you have all the jokes in the bands about, oh, sure. Yeah. You know, all the stuff about, um, you know, you don't the the bass player, like in the eighties, there's so many popular eighties bass players mm-hmm. that have said that I was only there to look good. Yeah. I was there to look the part, you know, and they were good musicians, but it, that, yeah. that was not what the band was built around just other than the appearance. Yeah. Uh, back then, a lot of times the jokes you would get is, uh, you know, the bass player was just a failed guitarist. Right. So <laughs> yeah. they weren't quite as good as the guitar player, so they played bass. And and of course we know that there's some ridiculously fantastic bass players out there yeah. uh, that yeah. just that can play multiple instruments, but they're so good at, at that. Or that's a love, right? It's just a passion or a love that they enjoy as well. Uh so for me, I think it was a couple of necessities uh as far as picking up other instruments. So um I played drums pretty much exclusively from the time, like I said, I was teeny weeny. Uh, all the way up until high school. Um, and then uh, my my uh, good friend at the time, he was just a fantastic guitar player. And I wanted to play guitar. I, I was starting to fall in love with all those 80s guys. You know, I'm a big Eddie Van Halen fan. Uh, anybody who follows me knows that. Um, even though I don't play like Ed and I don't try to play like Ed, I'm still a huge fan. But, um, but I, you know, I just had no interest really. And he started leaving his guitar at my house after practice because, you know, I, played drums and he played guitar and I just started noodling with it. And I guess that's around 17 or 18, somewhere in that neighborhood. And I guess that was my first step into, uh, you know, we had guitars in the house growing up, obviously since my mom's band and I would maybe pick them up or something, but I don't think I ever seriously tried to, uh, learn anything. I think I just, as a kid, right, let me pick it up and pluck it and, you know, so on and so forth. I think the instrument I failed at the hardest was like third grade, (laughs) I think was like the cello. <laughs> yeah. And that was a pretty bad fail. Uh, so I don't think I really got serious about a multiple instrument until probably 17 or 18. And then by the time I was probably 20, I was playing guitars and cover bands. Yeah. Wow. So like now when you record now, um, I know you have uh, coll- a lot of collaborations from time to time and things, that oh, you yeah. do, but, but, uh, just so our listeners can understand, am I, am I to understand that you have the ability to do it all? Yeah, I pretty much play everything. So okay. on the, uh, the the last record I just put out back on my birthday in September, 50, uh, yes. uh, for obvious reasons, uh, I put that out and I play everything on it. A buddy of mine, there's a leftover track um, uh, called Turkish Tea on there. And my buddy kind of wrote the bass line and he played the bass line on it and he helped me with the lyrics because it's really actually about his um, uh, a night in, in, in uh, during combat when he served in, in uh, Iraq. And uh, so it was really kind of based around that. He and I started a uh, started a project in, um, I guess, maybe 2019. We were going to do a little, uh, we we're going to do an original band. We were in a cover band together, and we were going to do an original project. And we started writing some songs uh, right bef- you know, before COVID and everything kind of got going. So uh, he played bass uh, on uh, quite a bit of that and was helping me write the, the record, which I've since rebranded. It's called Shine On, which is also on on my uh list uh he was gonna we were gonna do it together he retired decided he was done he needed to change his lifestyle a little bit so uh, all the best to him because he's doing fantastic so anyway i just kind of went back and and retreaked everything and i played 90 percent of that record so i played all the drums all the guitars a little bit of the bass i sing all the parts um keyboard parts things of that nature so with 50 i just played it all uh, except for that one song turkish tea where he plays a little bit of the bass yeah, and it, it is a great album, and uh, we're going to get into that later on. 
okay. uh, talk about that because there's a couple questions I have for you about that that, that sure. are intriguing. And if anybody hasn't hasn't heard that yet, you need to go out there and get this or stream it or whatever, download it because it's a great album. Uh, I remember you. you tweeting out that um, this this one had a little bit of everything, and it certainly does. Yeah, folks. yeah well, yeah. we were gonna when I first started messing with it, and then he, like I said, he decided to retire. Uh, and not be a part anymore. And he's like, just go solo, man. He's like, you know, because I wrestled with just keeping the name and just kind of putting the, the, the music out under the same band name that we had started. Uh, he's like, nah. And, and Ray actually talked with me quite a bit. A few other uh, online musical friends were like, just, just go with your name. It'll just make it easier, you know, that kind of thing. So I was going to just call it Kitchen Sink because I threw everything at it but the Kitchen Sink. I played a little bit of everything on there. There's sitar and mandolin and uh, some fiddle and uh, some pedal steel and tons of uh, percussion instruments, uh, djembe, yeah, yeah. congas, timbale, you know, so on and so forth. So I was kind of just, and I was just trying to have fun with like, we'll just see what comes out. Cause at my heart, like you, I'm a, I'm a rocker from the eighties. You know, that's, that's my, uh, you know, I guess that's my musical heartbeat. Right. And it's where I kind of wanted to, everything I do has got a rock thread through it. Yeah. Uh, but I also really enjoy a lot of other stuff, so I just try to bring it in where I can. Yeah, sure. Hey, Steve, did you write the script for our new Gerger music commercial? I did. Did you make me sound good? I did. Did you make me sound real good? Well, I can only do so much with the material I'm given to work with. <laughs> Wait a minute. What are you trying to say, sir? Oh, look. I'm not the guys over at Girder Music. I mean, they can take anything and make it sound great. Like what they did with the Keith Greenbox set. You're right about that. And when the music is already some of the best on the market, like Keith Green stuff is great, and they're the first ones to bring it back. Well, no kidding. And on top of that, their packaging is second to none. I mean, take a look at the, the red and black or yellow and black splatter vinyl editions of disciples back again and this might sting a little or what about that red swirl vinyl of bride's classic album snakes in the playground and as you said they just make the music sound so good i mean you mentioned the the keith green box set but whether it's petra DeGarmo and key resban Rikua, or really any of your favorite christian artists when you get your music from girdermusic.com it's guaranteed to sound and look fantastic. So, can you make me sound good for our next commercial? I'll, I'll tell you what, Wild Man. If you tell our fans about Girder Music, you will sound great. There it is, folks. Head over to girdermusic.com today and find the best in Christian rock and metal. Their sound is the best in the business. So you've been recording for some time, and so obviously re recording has changed um, in the way it used to be. Um, I just recently was reminded, I was so surprised about this, because way back in the day, when you and I were in high school, um, I uh, I wanted a four-track recorder, okay, but yeah. couldn't afford one. It was too expensive. So my guitar teacher at the time uh, drew out a, during the lesson he drew a diagram for me of how i could take two of my cheap cassette players and turn it into a four track yeah 
And then just the, just the idea to play a rhythm and then play lead over top of that when I was 16 was just incredible. Oh, yeah. Uh, so obviously recording has changed. So what parts have you noticed that have changed? What parts do you like that have changed? And what parts do you wow. wish didn't change? That's a great question. Well, growing up the way that I did, I definitely went into some recording studios when I was younger um, because of my mom and and things. So I, I grew up around studio environments. So I, I've recorded on two-inch tape uh, way back when, uh, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And then, uh, of course, as things changed, yeah, like you, it was a couple of boom boxes in the room with multiple things trying to record and trying to figure out how to cut tape and splice it together and all that good stuff. And yeah, we used to actually cut it with a razor blade and we'd splice <laughs> yeah. it together and uh, all that so kind of stuff. If I could just stop just for one yeah. second. Do you get as frustrated as I get on Twitter when they say, anybody remember this? Or they say, yes. you know what this is, you're old. It's like, wait, what? Yeah, and I don't know where that happened, right? Because like, I, you know, I mean, like most of us, I don't feel my age until I maybe catch myself in the mirror or something like that. And then I'm like, who's that guy, right? Kind of thing. But because I remember doing that stuff vividly, you know, uh, I mean, I, I, at 10 years old, I was hooking up sound and PA systems and so on and so forth. And it feels like it wasn't that long ago. It really does. You know, I was running lights or I was mixing the board. Uh, I usually got the stage mix uh, for my mom's group. They would travel all around the country. And whenever was, I was allowed to be with them, I was kind of in charge. And I felt, you know, I was like, hey, I'm 10, 12 years old and I'm in charge of the stage mix. You know, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. But I took it really seriously because I just loved it. Right. So I've always had that kind of aptitude. And I, the digital technology, I guess, to get back to your, your question, well, man, is it's really fantastic in a lot of ways, uh, but it adds, it adds a, a lot of sterileness to it, I think, that we're constantly, especially if you're a little bit older, trying to find ways to overcome what I kind of feel like feels kind of stiff. I feel like there's, some, there's total flexibility in the control, but there feels like there's some stiffness uh, in the recordings and maybe part of that's also just being a solo artist because i because i play everything there's not that that cohesive live feel that goes on from having the drummer and the guitar player and the bass player all tracking at the same time in a live room so that kind of loses a little bit too so that maybe that's part of what i'm feeling in this. Are still going some are retired but you know that those are the ones that, that because of their interests and we hear a lot when it comes to writing and not as much recording but i'm just wondering if they would include that because maybe they, they they've been 
we are hearing a theme that today's music lacks the creative process that they had in their day. That's a theme that we're hearing. Yeah. So what would you say about that? You know, that's interesting. And I don't, you know, step on any, any younger folks and, and people that enjoy, because there's so many tools out there. Right. And a lot of the tools are really cool. Um, I don't know at what point, like it's an interesting, I guess, argument you could have at what point are you just uh, assembling something versus creating something? I mean, I guess it still takes a creative element to kind of hear what is going to go well with this or that, especially if you're grabbing samples or if you're grabbing loops or whatever. Um, right. so it still takes a good ear, I think, and, and kind of feeling things out and what sounds good. But I just kind of, I think I came across something not long ago, actually, where it was, uh, you could put in a chord and it would give you a bunch of different, you know, places that you could take those uh, those chord, chord arrangements too. And I thought, well, isn't, what's the fun of doing that? Like I'd rather kind of stumble yeah. across some of them myself and I get it. You get stuck and maybe you just need to, you know, just need to get a way out or you get into a repetitive groove and right. you're just looking for a change up. But I kind of like the act of discovery. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. And, and I don't want to make any more enemies because I did make enemies. <laughs> I, I posted this before. Um, and I don't know what you feel about this, but, I, I never was trained at all when I took guitar lessons and, and learned guitar, um, never was trained on a capo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And me neither. Part, yeah. part of me just cringes when I see them because yeah. I'm thinking, why can't you just bar? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. that's, but, it, but, not, but the, you, you probably remember when um, it was on Shark Tank about 10 some years ago, the guy came out with Chord Buddy, where you would just, I think you, I know that one. Yeah, you put the device on the guitar. And all your finger does is just press a button and each button is a different chord. Oh, yeah. And you're really not playing, you know? That's yeah, is that, yeah. Is that, are you playing the instrument? And I think, you know, technology, and I think we could probably all, and we all have passions, right? We all have things we love. And so we're going to get a little, uh, we're maybe going to, you know, get a little bit vehement about how we kind of defend those. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I, you know, but I think everybody's got like this thing that they kind of get going on, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. It's tough. It's it's a tough struggle. Like I never took a guitar lesson in my life. I've never had one ever. Um, I don't. I, I guess technically I had drum lessons because I I was trained originally. Not trained, but I guess I was taught originally, as I mentioned, from my mom's drummers. I literally at six months old they started me. You know, just kind of holding my hands and things. Yeah, you were and I, he was yeah. he was a lefty. Uh, I'm a righty. So at some point, I guess I played left until I was about four <laughs> and then she changed drummers and he was a righty. And apparently I told him he was doing it wrong. Right. So even at that, even at a young age, we kind of get like some, we get these ideas like, no, that doesn't look right. You know? Uh, but then I learned how to play right-handed. So I'm, I'm okay with people using whatever tools they need to use to create something, but it does keep that interesting argument alive is to, are you a musician? Are you a, a producer? Are you an assembly person? Like it's, yeah. There's interesting conversation there. Yeah, and I'm with you. I don't want to. I don't want to open up too many. Uh, too many nasty emails. It's just. It's just curious. Yeah, yeah, but yeah it is because because you, you know you, all of us are passionate. I think. Right. And and to I guess um, in our defense, I guess that everybody's passionate about the era they come from. True. Yeah. Very so. Yeah. Yeah, and and so that could be part of it, and we could also yeah. be talking about nostalgia. We could be talking yeah. about a lot of things. Um, but there's something about the idea of your hands actually doing the work on the strings or on the keys 
There, there's something about that. In fact, I had a, a professor in college who put it this way. He was talking about uh, uh, church history and Christian history, and he was talking about that um, there's something that that uh, takes away from writing when you are doing mechanically typing versus taking a pen with your hand and writing it out longhand. That there's yeah. there, there's something, and even with that argument, we're still talking about technology. Um, yeah. so, so, so anyway, there, so, there could be some writers who, who would vehemently just go wild and say, no, I, I created my, you know, I don't know, maybe some, you know, some famous you know, novelists that like I type everything out. Right. And it works. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do think the music industry is, is certainly one that has, and I've even posed this question a couple of times. We we've, we've had a lot of, there's been a lot of music that's being uploaded. The digital, you asked about the digital creation, right? It, it makes things so easy. Uh, and everybody with a laptop could call themselves a musician or a music producer. And I, and I think that does get a little unfortunate. It gets kind of carried away because are you, are you creating, are, I guess, are you putting together your best piece? We, we're seeing what, something like 30,000 songs a day, you know, being uploaded to these, uh, to these streaming platforms. And that's crazy numbers. I mean, really stop and think about that, right? 30,000 songs a day. Yeah. Um, you know, are you putting your best foot forward in your creations and in your, no matter what level you are, no matter what musical you know, level you're in or what kind of genre you dig or whatever, are yeah. you putting your best foot forward every time? Or are you just trying to crank out content? We live in this world where we're told that in order to have a following and this, that, and the other on these social things, we got to crank out content, right? So if you're, uh, you know, on Instagram and you really are into photography, you're constantly put and there's different industries or there's different things where maybe you can crank out content and it's good quality content. I'm of the mindset that I don't know if I can totally believe, and maybe it's my age, maybe it's old school. I don't know if I can believe that you can create your your best content that fast, that much, especially with music. It's almost like a, a filmmaker. Like we see some musicians that are putting out a song a week. Uh, yeah. How can you sustain that? You know, maybe if you've recorded them all and they've, they've you know, you've taken the time to do all the work and then you're right, just right. kind of releasing them, sure. But could you imagine a filmmaker cranking out a major film like, you know, Netflix has criteria, right, to even for indie filmmakers. You don't see the same person cranking out a movie every two weeks. It'd it just be impossible. A self-discovery lies down a shadowed path Filled with ghosts and miscalculations the life we want, but not the one we chose Of two minds, no reconciliation Always searching, we want more Empty vessels on a dark shore Lost in a town There's no light, void of disillusion. The rain is cut too deep, makes it tough to breathe. Shutting down a chance for absolution. And 
I think that the, it, there is something to be said for those that do it all the time, full time. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. They're able. They're able to do it quicker than than those who do it like once a week or something like that. Right. Because it's, it's just what they do. Sure. Yeah. There is something to be said for that, but I think you're right on that. They just that that thought process. You know, like what what quality are we having out there? Because. Yeah. Everything can get up there on Spotify, you know. Like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think about even your some of your favorite bands that are, you know, and, and you know, I don't know, just pick somebody even current, you know, uh, they still go what a year before another album comes out, right? You know, so yeah, independent artists, and maybe this is getting into a whole other track, but it just seems like independent artists sometimes we're just, I think we. The Spotify guy, and I've said this on on social media a couple of times, I don't think he did anybody any favors by saying, if you want to make more, create more. And I just feel, you know, I think that's them taking advantage of us more than it is anything else. But that's, you know, again, I'll probably get some some comments on that, but it is what it is. Well, you know, that that just brings to my mind something personally that I've been working on. I've been working on my own track. You've probably seen the, the different parts of it, and I have... Um, two guys from the band Messenger are helping me produce it and arrange it. And the 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 part that had frustrated me at the beginning of the project was, um, all right, here it is. And he's like, oh, I can help you tweak this. All right, help me tweak it. All right. Yeah. So when do you think we're going to be done? I don't know. I'm like what? He's like, I don't know. He's like, we'll know when we're done. And it's been it's been almost a year, and it still isn't there yet. And yeah. And it's like that process has been great for me to learn because I wanted to do what I'm hearing everybody else do. You know, three days, you put it up, it's done, you know? Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you this. If if you were a prophet, okay, you're looking into the (laughs) right? Because I've heard some speculation that it's not going to continue to be this easy for musicians very long, that possibly the streaming services are going to start charging more or something, something to that effect. Do you see yeah. that happening or what is your, well, I don't know. I, I haven't heard any of that. That would be certainly interesting. I mean, I've asked the question, I've pondered the question, should we have some sort of uh, minimal requirements, you know, to kind of curb those numbers. And, and I get it. You get into the concept of, well, what is art? What is creativity? And I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm really talking about like the, what you consider any genre or art, um, I kind of like to the movie thing again, like some of these networks or so they have just basic technical requirements that have to be met so that they can present a good, you know, a good uh, quality product to their viewers. Not to say that there's not terrible movies made, right? But right. they, as far as the content, right? As far as it's a, it's a terrible story, the acting's bad, you know, whatever. Uh, but they, they have some technical requirements, like you must shoot it on, uh, these certain numbers of cameras, right? Here's six or seven cameras, for example, that that's the minimum level we'll accept. I don't know if music can do that or not. I don't these streaming platforms can get to that level where kind of you and I were just talking a minute ago. I mean, if you turn on a, a boom box in the room and the band jams out a, a song and you can stick it on Spotify, right? Yeah. Is that your best foot forward? Right? Is, is is that a, you know what I mean? So I, I don't know where they go with that question, honestly. Yeah. Um, it'd be interesting. Maybe maybe it's like everything else. It's a premium service, right? So you, yeah, can, exactly. yeah. you can throw anything up for free, but if you don't want it to be completely buried, it's eight bucks. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Eight bucks. Where did that come from? I don't uh, know. So, yeah, Off the yeah, top yeah. of my head. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, and, and then the other idea too, with the whole idea of independent artists and cranking out music and the streaming services, uh, Steve and I have talked about this at length on the show a couple of times hmm. that in our era, we would have the radio, right. Yeah. And you didn't have, we didn't even have Pandora. If you remember Pandora, we didn't even have Pandora. Where, yeah. Where you could like with Pandora and all the stuff you have now, you can create your own radio. Okay. Right, yeah. so it doesn't play any song that you don't like where back in the day you listen to a radio station, you know, you would hit the classic rock, whatever the, yeah. the, the rock well, station. That's, that's why you station jumped, right? Ah, oh, I'm tired <laughs> of the song. Right. Yeah, exactly. And jump over or, to the or, other station. Or you, you would have to suffer through songs. Or you'd you suffer through like, it, yeah. To, to hear the songs you did like, which would broaden your horizons. Exactly, because maybe you didn't like that song when it first came out, but by the time you heard it for the 14th time, you were like, uh, you know what, it's actually starting to grow on me a little bit. And yeah. music funny that way, right? I mean, I guess movies are the same, maybe even books, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. You know, art in general maybe is that way. I think music and, and movies are easier to consume faster than probably obviously than reading something, but it's uh yeah. I mean, there's, I was one of the, okay. So to that respect, I was one of those guys in the eighties. I couldn't stand, I'm going to get trouble for this. I couldn't stand the Beatles or Led Zeppelin. Like yeah. don't, don't turn it on. I don't want to hear it. Right. I could just couldn't stand to do it. But after a while I started to gain more appreciation and then I started to kind of go back and I was like, Oh, all right. You know, and I really kind of found uh, what I needed out of that material. And I think everybody has that with different artists. Maybe there's some classic people that you just don't get and maybe you'll never get them. Um, right. But right. I think you could, you know, I think good musicians or even good music lovers in general or just music lovers period, I think will turn around and say, you know, it's not my thing, but I can appreciate it. You know, and I, I think everybody eventually gets there. And it took me a while for some of those classic groups because I was just, and I think that's what happens part of youth too, right? We're so laser focused on the thing we're into. None of that old stuff is cool, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's so true. And, I, and I've seen that happen with my kids, you know, and seeing, and watching them grow up and then I'll play something amazing for them from the early seventies. And then and I was like, don't you know yeah. what you're listening to? Do you understand? <laughs> like, What's wrong with you? Right. They're yeah. like, it's boring. Yeah. You know, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> week to hear the rest of the interview with Mark Killian on the Wild Man and Steve show.
The Wildman and Steve Show is now partnering with New Release Today. Find out more about them at newreleasetoday.com. And don't forget to check out our website, where you can also leave us a review at wildmanandsteve.com. Sounds like rock and roll to me.